Morning, church. Happy Palm Sunday. So, so how many of you guys are the creative ones know how to fold these things into the cool little crosses and stuff like that? Nobody? The kids are doing them out there. Oh, yeah? Yeah. We're missing our rock stars. Usually it was Wes out here helping everybody do this kind of stuff. He's, he had a broken leg a month or so ago, so he's still recovering and getting back into his life again. Anybody know Wes? Yeah. yeah awesome guy. Uh, so still keep him in prayer. I don't know. Is he having any issues with that or any kind of complications? <laughs> Don't give Jack a microphone. Hello? Yeah, there there he is. You guys are quiet. Are you out there? Are you all West Virginia fans and that's why you're quiet? Yeah. All right, let's stand up. Are they being punished yet? Uh, no. <laughs> I'm a Philly fan, so I'm used to torture. So. Let's just uh, stand today. Today is uh, Palm Sunday, or also pa- what we call Passion Sunday, where we recognize the, the suffering of Christ um, and this week that he came in with triumphal entry. The reason why we have Passion Sunday is because of the suffering of Christ. What, what tended to happen on our Christian calendar is so often people would go ahead and come to the celebration of Palm Sunday and just, yay, palm branches. And then we forgot about during the week that a lot of stuff happened, and the stuff that happened is... Jesus suffered greatly and, and died. Um, and then we would come back Easter, and we would say, yay, he rose. And we, we just lost contact with a lot of stuff he went through. Um, and so, so today we're just going to focus on who Christ is for us and, and his love for us as we wrap down this series, One Month to Live. 
And um, next week we're going to have a big celebration again with uh, three Easter services, but we're also going to have a Good Friday service. Um, and um, if you ask me, uh, Good Friday tends to be one of the greatest times ever uh, because that's when Jesus gave his life for us. So um, I'm just going to ask that you just bow your heads as we start with, with a prayer today. Lord God, we come to you today and we just, um, we just love you and, uh, and, and we don't often show it. Um, we often miss out on, on who you really are for us. So, God, as you move in this place to, today and you move through here this week, help us not just to stop and forget that there is no Easter without a Good Friday. Um, Palm Sunday was great with Hosanna, Save Us, and, and the cheers of victory that we, we recognize. But, God, it is your suffering and your death that gives us life. And as we look about today, about having a no-regret life in you, may you just... Uh, Give us something new. Give us something that's going to just get us through the next couple of days. That's going to let us see that you're real. If this is the first time we've been in a church for a while, awesome, God. We just pray that um, you'll see that it's not about, it's not about all the stuff and the, and the fluff. It's about just a connection with, with the Savior. And that's what we're asking tonight. Let us just worship you in song. Let's just sing like we've never sung. Let's just pray like we never have. And let us just connect to you in a way that's so special. In Christ's name, amen. Healing rain is coming down, it's coming nearer to this old town. Rich and poor, and weak and strong, it's bringing mercy, it won't be long. Come by, Jack. Healing rain. Coming down, it's coming closer to the lost and found. Tears of joy and tears of shame are washed forever in Jesus' name. Can I get more guitar? Healing rain, it comes with fire. And take us higher Healing rain I'm not afraid To be washed in heaven's rain Lift your head So lift your heads Let us return To the mercy seat and in your eyes, I see the pain. Come soak this dry heart with your rain. And only you, the Son of Man, could take a leper and let him stand. So lift your hands. Can be held by someone greater, the great I am. In healing rain, it counts with fire, so let it fall and take us.
Jack said this is Palm Sunday. You know, this is all about the, the day that, that, that Jesus came into the town of Jerusalem and everybody was just excited. They, they recognize him as our Savior and Messiah. They, they waved our palm fronds. You can get in your hands right now. This, and they, just, they shouted out, Hosanna, Hosanna, which just means, like, save us now, Lord. Save us now. We, we didn't know at that time that he was going to save us. So, yeah. And I got my Savior right here. Saved me from capoing <laughs> unnecessarily and messing up my praise team this, this time of worship. It was all self-serving, just to let you know. That's all. So, you know, little did we know that, you know, they were saying, save us now, but they didn't know he was going to save us all on that cross.
the day. In your presence, all our fears are washed away. Because when we see you, we find strength to face the day. In your presence, all our fears are washed away. They're washed away. God, we just thank you so much for bringing us here today, and we just pray that we will sing Hosanna and that you will do just that. Save us. And we give you praise for who you are in Christ's name. Everybody says amen. All right, greet somebody as our children are going to our shoreline uh, Sunday school ministry. I think it's mine. Yours is right there. Good morning. How's everybody today? How'd I get 30 again? Yuck, right? And they're going to be like 70 again, like soon? 
Not quick enough, right? Um, great to have you all here today. I hope you're, if you're visiting with us, welcome. Um, we don't believe that anybody is here by mistake. We believe that God brought you here, and the main reason why you're here is to connect to Him. Um, nothing I do, even if I wear a multicolored shirt that looks kind of goofy, um, except they're kind of classy, right, Matt? Yeah, there you go. Matt likes them. Um, so that's one. Um, but no matter what, we're here to connect to the Lord, and that's what we want you to do, just connect to Him and just have a great Great time doing that. God has something in store for you. Uh, for those of you who may be going to Sunday school, one of the things that we've been implementing, and several of you may have that, if you had any kids in, in our, um, our younger classes, um, we're, working, we, we're always trying to make sure of security and safety, and many of us have done that. So now one of the other areas, we have a new printing system for our young kids so that you need to have those in order to go pick them up. And um, we think that's a great thing for safety of our kids, and that's the, the um, primary thing. And as we, as we all well know, you can't be too safe in this crazy world. Um, and so, um, so please make sure you have those, and, um, and hopefully you'll, you'll appreciate that as we do um, having that security level as well. Um, but if you are visiting, we also, if you have a card, we, if you, hopefully you received a card. If you did not, as you're leaving church, make sure we get that. Or if you've been here several weeks and didn't receive a card, we have a small gift for you. Thank you for being part of our worship today and love to hear from you. Easter lilies are due today. That means next week is Easter. Wow, didn't we just say next, next week is Christmas? Um, so it is earlier this year, but just by a little bit. And so if you would like to donate Easter lilies in memory or honor of someone, you can um, see how you can do that here with the forums, or you can also go ahead and fill them out online. And that way we'll make sure that you, um, you can connect to that as well. Uh, always looking for Sunday school teachers and support there. Um, our annual Easter egg hunt this uh, Saturday, the 26th right here, and you can see that information. If anybody has any, um, several have uh, offered to donate. If anybody has any of those and you'd like to donate them, please uh, contact Debbie Virgilio so you can go ahead and have that. And then Holy Week service. I put this in here for two reasons. Number one is to remind you. Number two is for you to give it to somebody. We, we should have extras out there, I'm right, I, I believe. We should have some extras out there. Uh, and if you want to take some and you want to give them to somebody, by all means do so. One of the things we'll do is we'll make sure it's on um, our Facebook page so you can print it out uh, and just give it to someone. Uh, this is one of my favorite services of the year. Um, how many of you have ever attended a Good Friday service here at Haven? It's an awesome service. It's really one that is just really special that we will do. You can see we'll have worship, communion, and we'll also have what we call a cross nailing. That doesn't mean we'll take people nail them to the cross, but we will have a special ceremony of that where we will walk the cross out and, um, and place it up. And then we have three options for our Easter celebration. Our sunrise service is very short. It's a very short uh, outdoor service, and if it was like today, it'd be really, really short. Um, and so we're going to have that at 6.30 a.m. outside um, near where we place the cross, and we'll, um, we'll, we'll I'll go ahead and have a brief message and um, follow it up with some special things there. Then we'll come in, and then um, we'll have our early worship times, 8.15, uh, and our late worship at 10.15. Those two are the same, same organized service. The uh, sunrise is a little bit different in nature, but if you um, want to go ahead and connect, uh, you can go ahead and do that. If you have somebody who wants to go ahead and just, you say, hey, this is a great opportunity. Every, a lot of people are looking for a place to go um, for Easter. Go ahead and give them this and say, hey, we'd lo love for you to come. When should I pick you up? Okay? You can give them those options. And so we, that's why we put that in there, because we really, really want you to go ahead and connect. And you have the Holy Week services printed in your bulletin. You can check out the upcoming dates, um, this 
Spring uh, Dining for Women party is April 13th. And National Day of Prayer, um, in the next couple weeks, you will be seeing some things leading up to that. But we have a really cool service that is going to be planned on, on, um, at, on uh, May, the thir- May the 5th, excuse me, Cinco de Mayo at 6 um, p.m. All right? And again, we talked about the Angel Gown Mission. Parish Foundation is today and also on a wonderful day that happened 45 years ago, my birthday. All right. Um, <laughs> So, uh, but um, I, got, I got applause for that. Good job, Mom and Dad. They're here today. Congratulations. So, um, I had nothing to do with that, just to let you know. So, uh, so we want to look at that. Also, you get also have in here on um, Tuesday, April 12th at, um, April 12th right here, um, we will have a, and what time will that begin at 6, uh, online registration, outside registration, on-site registration, 6 p.m., and the training will begin at 7. It's a Narcan training. We did that last year. It was very successful. We want to go ahead and do that too. So if you know anybody who would like to have that done, um, it will be a, a great opportunity to go ahead and connect with those. We've got a lot of things in the bulletin this week. Please check out all the other announcements that are on your sheet so we make sure we don't forget anything else. All right? Um, now let's go to the Lord in, um, in prayer. We have some prayer requests that are here from Robin Hildebrand. For Colin Fairweather, they found out that he has lymphoma in his brain and prayers for him and his family. I want to lift him up. Rhonda Elkins has asked for prayer for Eric, who's in University Hospital. Um, twice had cardiac arrest and organ failure. And for Richard, a brain cancer. And um, she is going to have two cataract surgeries. So we want to go ahead and she's going to have cataract surgery on, um, on Wednesday. So we want to go ahead and lift her in prayer. My mother, Joanne Cohen, has lifted up um, the injections she's receiving. Um, she's receiving them once a, month, once a month and wants them to continue to work. June has asked for prayers for Chaz Day, who has a tumor on his kidney, and surgery on Tuesday to remove uh, it from his kidney. All right? Uh, are there any other prayer requests that we may need to mention? Um, if you're watching and part of online church, please go ahead and click and fill those out. That will go right to our prayer coordinator. Um, Debbie Chadwick, and she'll make sure that gets out to the greater community um, as we have them. And um, I know we want to uh, continue to lift up Gabe in prayers as well, as Shelly put out this week, and several others that have been out on the prayer request list. Okay? All right, let's go to Lord in prayer at this time, officially. Lord God, we come before you today asking for your Holy Spirit to do mighty things. For some, we have issues of of just regular illness, it seems like with the weather changing, so many people are dealing with something, and um, and God, we just um, we're just ready for the the weather to get moving, um, and and just to just have good health and to be outside and around, and so God, we just pray that you'll bring that strength to us. Others have much more intensive things, lymphoma and cancer and surgeries. Um, no matter what they are, God, we know that you are a healing healing God. You are healing Jesus. And so we ask that you just reach out and touch those people. For the families that, are, that have lost someone, uh, we ask for your Holy Spirit to, to give them comfort and peace. And for the rest of us here and for others who may be traveling, and for all the people who today have come to connect to you, God, I pray that the songs that we sing together, the Sunday school that is meeting um, where they are meeting, and the words that I say, God, won't be my words, but they'll be yours. And I just want to pray for those who may have just... Uh, gone through some difficult times lately, and maybe here going through difficult times, that God, they'll know that you are the one who brought them through it, and the ones who are going through it right now, that in the midst of the darkness of their life, 
that you may just reach in and add light and draw them to you and draw them back to you. For this and all other things, God, we, we give you praise, and we're, we are so blessed in so many ways, and so we ask for a special blessing to be upon everybody who's watching, whether here today or online. And God, may your Holy Spirit just give them just peace and comfort during this time, and may they really come to know the, the risen Savior and Lord. And so God, I ask for your special blessing to be upon their gifts and your tithe. Multiply them for your kingdom, not ours. It's not about us. It's not about me. It's about you. And so, God, I ask that you do a mighty work in this area. So many people are hurting. So many people are, are broken. And, God, only you can put us back together because you're the only one who created us. So during this time, God, let us just focus on one thing, you, as we ask for you to multiply and use these gifts to meet your kingdom here and around the world. In Christ's mighty name, we pray. Amen. Don't mind if you've got something nice to say about me. I enjoy an accolade like the rest. You could take my picture and hang it in a gallery with all the who's who's and so and so's that used to be the best at such and such. It wouldn't matter much. I won't lie, it feels all right to see your name in lights. We all need an attaboy or at a girl. In the end, I like to hang my hat on more besides the temporary trappings of this world. I want to leave a legacy. How would they remember me? Did I choose to love? Did I point to you enough to make a mark on things? I want to leave an offering, a child of mercy and grace who blessed your name unapologetically. Leave that kind of legacy. I don't have to look too far or too long a while to make a lengthy list of all that I enjoy. It's an accumulating trinket and a treasure pile where moth and rust, thieves and such will soon enough destroy. I want to leave a legacy. How will they remember me? Did I choose to love? Did I point to you enough to make a mark on things? Wanna leave an offering? A child of mercy and grace who blessed your name unapologetically. Leave that kind of legacy. Not well traveled, not well read. Not well to do or well bred. Just want to hear instead. Well done, good and faithful one.
Did I point to you enough to make a mark on things? Want to leave an offering? A child of mercy and grace who blessed your name unapologetically. Leave that kind of legacy. morning. We have two scripture readings this morning. The first is from Acts chapter 20, verse 24. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Second reading is from Psalm 73, verse 26. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Right. Everybody good? This is your last week of having to look at that. You glad about that? No. Okay. You been enjoying the uh, one month to live? Okay. If you missed any of that, by all means, check out on uh, havencc.org. We have those up. Usually they're up either Sunday night or Monday morning, definitely. And you can check those. Um, sometimes with the app, it takes a little while, but, um, but you can go ahead and check that out. If you, if you want to take it with you, you also, we also have an app that you can put on your smartphone. So we want you to be able to take Haven with you. That might be our new motto. Take Haven with you. All right. So we are concluding this series, One Month to Live. We finally gotten out after six weeks of getting uh, one, uh, I don't even know, one, one life to live. We finally got that out of our system. See, I couldn't even say it. Um, but the whole point of the series was not to talk about if we had a little bit left to live, but talking about hopefully God has given us many, many, many more years and months to live. And if he's doing so, that we want to know how to do that with passion and fervor like we would even to the end of our life. And so hopefully you will enjoy life to the fullest a little more. And we've discovered four major principles as we're looking at this. And hopefully all of you have a bulletin. If you don't, just kind of raise your hand and maybe somebody can get one to you, but that you can fill in and take with you. See, there we go again, take Haven with you. Um, And you can go ahead and take that message because, you know, uh, statistically we only remember a little bit of what 
we were told. And um, parents, if, any parents in here? You know that is true. Your kids remember very little of what you tell them, but you remember about 80-some to 90% of what you write down. And so here's some of the four that we've gone through. The first thing that we talked about was to live passionately, that God wants us to live passionately. And to love completely was number two. To live passionately, to love completely, to learn humbly And then last week, we talked about to leave boldly. And one of the verses I just want to share with you very quickly about leaving boldly comes from 1 Kings chapter 2, 1 through 3. And it was done by a guy named David. And most of us, when we think about David, think about a little boy in a slingshot or sling, right? And a big guy named Goliath. And this is toward the end of David's life. David ruled for 40 plus years. And here's what, what he says when he is about ready to leave, he says, I'm about ready, ready to go to the way of the earth, he said. So be strong. And then he gave his best Marlon Brando voice. Anybody who watches uh, The Godfather, you can act like a man. That's what he says right there. See that? He says, be strong and act like a man. And observe what the Lord your God requires. And what does he require? To walk in obedience to him. And keep his decrees and his commands and his laws and regulations as written in the law of Moses. Do this so that you may prosper in all that you do and wherever you go. And you know what? The sad thing is, he said this to Solomon. And if anybody reads about Solomon, and I know those in Disciple have, toward the end of Solomon's life, he didn't. He didn't obey God's commands. And it ended up bad for Israel and for them. And so as we're looking at this, someone once said, your life is a gift from God. What you do with it is your gift to God. So if you take this one month to live challenge that we've been doing, the question that we're asking is now what? Now what do we do after we've we've stopped going through these principles? How do we apply these? If we were to take one thing away from this series, and I could give you one thing, it would be that I would love for you to have your life ignited and set on fire with a passion of life through this series from Christ. I want you to have every single moment as being a precious gift. Like if you had one month to live, that you wouldn't waste any time. The other day, Melissa and I um, went on a college tour for Jacob. And I I started thinking, this is super expensive. No, that was the second thing. Um, The first thing I started thinking was this, is what happened to all those years? What happened to that little five-pound, 12-ounce little baby boy that was born that now is talking to a college, and maybe even talking about, you know, running a sport and stuff, and who's faster than me, which I take credit for because I chased him when he was really, really bad. So what happened to those years? And you know what started to happen is when I looked at the schedule for the week and I realized when the day was, I was frustrated. Right off the bat, I was mad. Jacob, I got so much stuff to do, and I got to do this. And I stopped to wonder, hey, these moments are coming few and far between now. Guess what? Everything got done, and it was okay, and we had a great time together. Those years went by very quickly. When you look back and you find, like I did the other week, an old disk drive from an old computer and you put it in and you look at it and you find out, you see them as little kids and you think those moments last forever and you say, my Lord, are these things going to last forever because this is horrible. I was in diapers for 10 years, not me personally, but (laughs) that's what they get to deal with when I get older, I guess. But you, you know what I mean? And it goes so quick, so quick. The fuel for sustaining a one month to live passion in life is simply this. Our lifestyle is passion. 
John 10.10 says this, and it's printed in your bulletin. It says this. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give life to the what? Fullness. I want you to circle life. Jesus said his purpose was to give you life, to give you a zest for living, to give you enthusiasm for life, to fill you with passion. God wants you to be a passionate person, and so do I. Like, think about it. Doctors are always trying, and and medical people are always trying to come up with new medicines that can add years to your life. But I believe what God wants to do is not to add years to your life, but add life to your years. To give you the life that you have. I've known people who lived in their 20s. I've known people who lived in their teens and had such a passion for living that, I, that they, they put me to shame in the, in the passionate life I've lived over my years. This verse not only tells me about Jesus, but it also tells us about Satan. That Here's what I want you to know. God has a plan for your life, but guess what? So does Satan. Satan has a plan for your life, and here it is. Satan's plan, and I want you to circle his plans. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Now, I want want you to stop for a second. How many of you may feel a little bit like your life is more going according to Satan's plan than it is to God's plan? Like, for instance, are you feeling overwhelmed? Are you feeling frustrated? Are you feeling crushed at times? Are you feeling a fullness of life with enthusiasm and excitement and zest for God? I think, sadly, the world that we live in has gotten on Satan's plan more so, and it starts to crush us all the more. Satan wants to kill your passion. He wants to kill your dreams. He wants to destroy your relationships. That's what's planned for your life. That's what it's all about. God has a wonderful plan, though, to fill our lives with passion. If you circle that word also, thief. That's what Satan is. He's a passion thief, stealing every bit of joy from your life. He uses the stresses and the problems and the focuses and the, and, the, and the aches and the pains, all those things in life he uses in order to keep us from God's plan and destroy your passion. Now, you may be here today and you may say, Jack, you know, I've, I've sort of lost my zest for life. I had this zest for life. Nothing really turns out right. Nothing really just gets me real excited. Nothing really motivates me. The problems and the stresses and the issues in my life, the loss, all that has stolen my passion right now. So how do you restore your passion? This is a message I think we all need because we all have times where we aren't very passionate about what happens. And I came across this this week. Anybody good at these puzzles? I was going to have somebody put it together, but it's 300 pieces, so I'm not going to do that. But I want to show you, you know, this is what this thing is supposed to look like on the front. Let me get it off here. This thing right here, right? Nice, pretty little picture. Isn't that nice? You guys see over there? Okay, that's what it's supposed to look like. But here's what it looks like now. It's all, it's all here. The puzzle is all here. This beautiful thing is all contained in here. But each piece has a special part and a place to play in order to bring it to fruition. And so when I reach in here and I grab this puzzle, alone there's no focus. Alone there's nothing that we can see. And so what I want to do is I want to spend the remainder of the time giving you four pieces that I believe God wants you to have to a passionate life. Four pieces. And you know what? If one of these pieces is missing or in its wrong place, it changes the whole view of exactly what it is. And so I want to look at these and inspect our own lives to see if we had these as part of our lives. Number one. 
are four pieces to a no-regret life or passion-filled life. Number one is love. Love. Love is the foundational piece of the passion puzzle. It's the fuel that, fire, that, it, that gives us fire to the rest of our, our, our lives and relationships. It's the fire that, that fuels the passion in a rela- marriage relationship. It's the fuel that fires the productivity in a workplace is love. They did a study and they actually found out, they w- it went on for 20 years. Uh, uh, it was a longitudinal study that they did of American workers and they found studies of thousands of workers over a 20-year span, and here was the conclusion of the study, that if you, love, if, if you do what you love and do it long enough, success will come. If you do what you do long enough and you love it, it success will come because people don't succeed if they don't love. A marriage, a successful marriage comes out of love. The passion of a marriage is deeply rooted in love. Passion out of a workplace comes for love. And we all do different jobs in here. And I got I to gotta show you something to give you uh, uh, some humor today. I have this thing. Isn't this pretty? Anybody know what this is? No, it's not a graduation robe. It's a pastoral robe. And if I was really a good preacher, I'd wear this every week. Right? Now look at it. Isn't that nice? It's gorgeous, isn't it? Even in spite of me being in here, it's gorgeous. Now, look at this thing. Now, what do you think? Look at this. Here I am. I'm going to show you how good I look here. Do I look very pastoral now? And I'm not begrudging anybody who wears that. People do this all the time. And I remember when I started out as a pastor that I had somebody who actually told me they liked me better if I wore a robe. I said, did I look that bad? You know? But as you look at this, it's beautiful and has all kinds of things. But for me, it represents several things in my life when I look at it. Number one, I started thinking about this. You know, by, by, having, by having this robe, I got it when I went through a, a process of early ordination. And it was given to me. And then by having this thing right here, it was stole when I received ordination as an elder. And I got all these things because I have a master's of divinity in school. And, and that's, that, you know, God helped pay for that. And I'm talking to him now about Jacob's College. But these, this, these are all these things. And so I can wear this and I can have this stole. The stole is to represent the mantle of the people and, and all this kind of stuff. And as I look at it, I realize something very neat. As, as good and as important as that is. You know, when I, was, when I was early on in ministry, there was a lot of passion and joy in my life over things. Not over robes and things. I mean, one church I went to one time, I knew it was a church that they wore robes, and I showed up in like one of those dress t-shirts to freak everybody out. I did it on purpose. And, and somebody told me I'd be a good pastor in Millsboro, but not in Lewis. I don't know what's going on in Millsboro, but hey. And then after a week, after she got to know me, or after several months, she got to know me, she said, wow, he, he, he loves the Lord. And see, for me, this whole thing here is good, but it means nothing. This stole means nothing if I don't have a heart for the people. This stole means absolutely nothing if people's lives aren't changed. This robe means absolutely nothing if I look good and people's lives aren't cleaned up. This means absolutely nothing if someone who is addicted and hurting and painful, that I shun and do that. That's not ministry. 
That has nothing to do with ministry. And if we lose that passion, we lose the purpose Christ came for in the first place. And so we need to reconnect our hearts to what ministry is about. Not only me, but each one of us to recognize, yeah, you know, a building is beautiful. Uh, our, our seats are nice and cushy. And I'll tell you, that was the best fundraiser ever when you thought you were going to sit your butts on metal chairs, man. You guys gave. <laughs> Am I right, Jim? They gave. We said, all we have is metal chairs. You said, hallelujah, let me write the check. I'll buy a whole roll. But meanwhile, we have a lot of passion about our butts sitting on a chair. But how many of us have a passion about the least of these in our world? How many have a passion that people are busting hell wide open? And they don't know Jesus. The stole, the robe means absolutely nothing if my heart isn't broken for those people. That's ministry. And I got to tell you, sometimes in my life I've lost passion for the job of ministry because of the nonsense of the church. And that goes from top, down, in, out, up, down. Even when I look in the mirror, there's a lot of nonsense. Look at the person next to you and say, a lot of nonsense. Because we like nonsense, we like chaos. As I read the scripture, God is a God of order. And the reason why our lives and our churches and our, and our world is in such chaos is because of one thing. Because we're following Satan's plan for our lives, not God's. Because this is a passion and life and fullness of life. There's a big difference between passion and lust. Passion, a passion for something, the more you do it, the more satisfied you are. A lust for something, the more you do, the less you are satisfied, and it leaves you empty. Passion comes out of unselfish love, and lust comes out of selfishness. And there's a lot of people who are confused by that. That's why marriages and other things fizzle out, because passion, they've mixed up passion and lust for something. It reminds me of a couple who went to the doctor, and the husband had been having some health problems, and the doctor came back with the test results, and he said, I'm sorry to tell you this, but sir, it looks like you only have about six months left to live. I would like to talk to your wife alone. So the man went outside into the car, and he said, Madam, I really think your husband could live a lot longer if you do two things, feed him healthy meals and make love to him every night. She went out to the car and got in and opened the door, and they'd been married for some time, and he, she said, well, what did he say? He said, honey, I'm sorry, you're going to die. The passion was lost. Passion is lost. It wasn't like that early on. Why does the passion go out of our marriages so quickly? It starts passionate, and then it goes by the wayside. And I'll tell you why, because the root of the passion is love. It's the foundational piece of the puzzle that we have in our life. It fuels the fire of our lives. uh, Revelation 2, 4 through 5 says, You have forsaken your first love. Remember from the height in which you have fallen. Repent and do the things that you did now, that you did at first. The real problem is most people don't know what love is. And yes, I want to sing foreigner. I'm sorry. (laughs) Most people think it's a feeling. You know, I always love this. I fell out of love. You know, it's like you fall into a ditch. Ah, I'm out of love. Or I fell in love. It's like, whoa, I'm in love. No, it's not that. It's a choice. You make a choice to love. It's an action that you do every day. I've said several times, I give Melissa reasons over the last 20 years. I've given her a billion reasons not to love me anymore. So many people think that it's a feeling. And when the feelings are gone, so is the love. The love is a choice. 
The verse says you have to get back your first love. You've fallen from the heights. You fall out of love because you made a choice not to love. Rather than worrying about our feelings, people say, I just don't feel in love anymore. But, you know, if you start acting in a loving way and start doing loving things, then passion can come in there. Spend time together. Remember when you, you were first, those of you who are couples, remember that first time you met each other? You spent time together. You racked up phone bills if you're as old as I am. You uh, were affectionate. You were romantic. You did things. Um, and most people are waiting for feelings to come back. Guess what I'm going to tell you? It ain't going to happen. If you just wait for feelings to come, you have to do things to bring the passion back. Sorry, guys. But you know what this verse is not talking about, husband and wife. It's talking about Jesus. He's telling a church, you have lost your love of God. You've lost your first love, Christ. You, and there's several people that may say, Jack, I'm a believer, but i got to tell you, I have to admit, I really don't feel close to God. And welcome to what is called the church today. And it's sad, but I want to share something with you. I want to ask you a question. Who moved? Who moved? It wasn't God. It was you and me. He hasn't moved. If you're feeling not as passionate right now, you've moved away from God. Remember when you first became a Christian, the things you did, you were so excited about the Bible, you would do whatever you could to to find out about it and learn all things. You would tell everybody you know what was going on in your life. There was an excitement to pull out your Bible in front of people just to freak them out because you never opened one or even owned one before. But then as you've gone on in this relationship, you've moved. You've moved away. And what does the Bible say? It says repent, change your heart, and change your mind. If you want to rekindle a passion for your life, you must focus on God's love for you. And love God is the foundational piece of the puzzle. Number two. The second piece of the puzzle is integrity. Integrity. Integrity is this. Integrity is integrating what I say I believe into my daily actions and my walk. It's the, op- the opposite of that is compartmentalizing your life. So think of your life like a pie, or if you're really hungry, a pizza. All right? There's different slices, and you have like a family slice, you have a work slice, you have an extracurricular slice, you have an entertainment slice, and many people have a God slice. That here we have all these compartmentalized areas of our lives. But God says, I don't want to be a pepperoni slice in your life. I don't want to be just a little piece of the pie. I want to be the center point of your life. And that's life without God. It's a segmented life with compartmentalized. You have God, but he's in a compartment of your life. He's not in anywhere. But look at what Mark 12, 30 says. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Go ahead and circle all those alls in your bulletin. God says, I want to be integrated in absolutely everywhere of your life. It's like if you get a mushroom pizza, you don't say, just put it right on this piece. He wants to be all over the pizza. He wants to be the sauce and the cheese and everything that's there. God wants to be completely with your life in the center point of all your existence. He's the one who died for us, and he deserves first place in our lives in every area. If you want to have integrity, you have to put God first place in your life. 
I can tell you in my own life, nothing, stra- nothing frustrates people more than saying we believe in something and it doesn't show in our lives. Than saying God has first place, but he doesn't have our time, our talents, our treasures that he so richly deserves. It frustrates us in life. My frustration is when, at times when I've said my health's important and I work hard on it, and then there's candy around. I hate Easter. I hate Halloween. Because there's so much temptation, and those dumb little Hershey kisses are around. <laughs> or, or worse, most of the year when it's not just a holiday, when I say my family is first. My family takes first part in my life. And yet, I'm overworked and I neglect my family in every area of my life. Nothing frustrates me personally more than when I say I I do something and I don't follow through with it. It leaves you frustrated and lost and makes you say, why are you doing what you're doing? That's not living a rich and full life. Compartmentalizing your life and not letting God be integrated in the center point of your life will leave you broken and a mess in all those areas of your life. Number three, next piece of the puzzle, forgiveness. Have you ever been having a really good day, like a really, really good day? (coughs) Birds are chirping, sky is beautiful, and then you have like this is a bounce in your step, you get out of bed, yeah, you're just happy, everything's good, and then you get there and then you have a conflict with somebody at work. Or you have an argument with someone, maybe your spouse or somebody in your house, and it doesn't get resolved, and then all of a sudden, it just ruins your day and maybe your week. Job 5, 2 says this, surely resentment destroys the fool and jealousy kills the simple. Circle those words, resentment and jealousy. Two things that will steal your passion quicker than anything are resentment and jealousy. Resentment is a great passion stealer. That's why God says we must forgive others. Not to let them off the hook. Let me tell you, not to let them off the hook. I'm not saying you have to be bosom buddies and, and go to games and eat dinner together. But I'm not telling you to say, that's no big deal. It's okay. Don't say that because it is a big deal. But we need to forgive because so many times we carry around resentment and bitterness and we've been hurt, really, really hurt. And we need to tell people, you hurt me. You did hurt me. It's not good for you to say, oh, don't worry, it doesn't mean anything, because it does mean something. But to tell somebody, you hurt me. But if you stay in that hurt place, they don't care. The person who hurt you, it doesn't matter a hill of beans to them. You're the one who is, who is keeping yourself from what God wants to do by holding on to your hurt and resentment. It steals your passion for life. And if we don't resolve something, it's there. It's out there. It's always there. It never goes away. And as always, Jesus is a great example. We're on the cross. Jesus, in his dying moments, has his hands stretched out and says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. I'd be saying, get these suckers, God. But his heart was for us. He's the most passionate person that ever existed. He was so passionate in his love for you and me. In the United States, we can be passionate about anything. For instance, like sports. I'm a big sports fan. You guys know that, right? All right, so look. I mean, I've got, this is just some of the stuff. Look at this. I got my Eagles jersey, my Reggie White jersey. Anybody remember Reggie White? There we go. The Minister of Defense. Shut up, Lisa. All right, there we go. I know Lisa. I can talk to her like that. So 
Do they have a team? All right. So there we go. So I got this. Look at this. I've even got this. Look at this thing. Isn't that awesome? Here we go. Look at this. I can even get really excited and put this on. There we go. Look, I am ready to go. Let's go. Is it August yet? Woo! And I can, I can go out in public dressed like this. I, I can sit with strangers and go, woo! Yeah, high fives. There we go. Come on. Woo! There we go. Chris, come on. You're an Eagles fan. There we go. Pete, like the jersey. All right. There we go. So I can go crazy. Woo! I can be passionate about anything in life in our country except for God. I can be passionate about anything else I do, except for God. If I'm passionate about my Savior, then I'm called a freak. Then I'm called closed-minded. Then I'm called hateful. Rather than being passionate for the one who gave his life up for me. This matters nothing in the grand scheme of life. Absolutely nothing. Whether the eagles ever win another playoff game or get to a Super Bowl or win one, which would be incredible for me for about five minutes. Because guess what? I realized several years ago the Phillies won a World Series, and they stunk up the field last year. And my life did not change much. But I can tell you, if I don't have a passion for my Savior, and I don't come to contact him, and I don't become a fanatic, a fan for him, eternity It's not going to be good. Not at all. God has placed a passion in our lives. Ralph Waldo Emerson said this, nothing ever great happens without enthusiasm in life. The word enthusiasm is a combination of two Greek words, one en, which means in or within, and theos, which is Greek for God. And what it literally means is God within. That if you're an enthusiastic person, you're enthusiastic because you have God within you. You may say, Jack, I don't know, I'm not that passionate about things anymore. I just don't have any passion. So what I ask you is, where is God within your life? Have I really opened up my full life to Christ and allow him to be first place and to come into my life? Is God within you? We should be the most enthusiastic people that walk the face of the earth as Christians. Maybe you're a believer, though, and you've lost your enthusiasm, and I run into that all the time. I would say maybe you need to spend some more time with God. Look at your calendar and find out if Christ is really important in your life. Start hanging out with God. When you you hang out with people, you start to do the same things they do. You start to like the same things they do. You start to care about the things they do. And if you hang out with God, you start to care about the things he cares about. You start to care more about hurting people. You start to get excited about the things God does. Colossians 3 23 says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, just as if you're working for the Lord. And if your job stinks and you're tired of it, look at Jesus as your boss. Take a different look and say, everything that I'm doing is for him. Whatever I'm going to do, I'm going to do with my whole heart. And if you move from one month to life to challenge, because I've got to tell you, we've done a lot of these studies, but if you don't add it to your life, integrate it, integrity into your life, You're wasting your time. Whatever you do, do with your whole heart. Change it from a one-month-to-live challenge to the one-month-to-live lifestyle. To have a life of no regrets. Now, how many of you like movies? One of the greatest movies in the last 
uh, let's see, uh, 15 years, is a movie called Gladiator. Anybody ever seen it? With Russell Crowe as Maximus. And if you saw it, you know the story. He was a great general of Rome. He was a man of high integrity. He loved with all his heart. He loved his family with all his heart. He loved the men that he was in charge of. He was a man of passion. But as the story goes, there was an evil emperor who killed his family and threw him into slavery and eventually became a gladiator. The Maximus, the gladiator, defies Rome. And he does it with integrity. All the other gladiators wanted to please the emperor so that they could be released. And they looked at what the emperor says, thumb up, thumb down, can he live or does he die? They wanted to please him. But Maximus could care less about pleasing the emperor. He had integrity. And while everybody else tried to please the crowd, Maximus could care less about the crowd, but they loved it all the more because he was a man of integrity. And when you see someone with integrity and someone with passion, someone with love, someone with no fear, you begin to admire them and it catches you by surprise. The crowd began to cheer, Maximus, Maximus, Maximus. He was courageous and had no fear of death because he loved something more than he loved his own life. He loved his fa- the family that he lost. He loved Rome and wanted to return it to the glory days. He wasn't afraid to die. He was courageous and had a fear. He was a mighty, fierce, fighting gladiator with no fear because he had something a lot more than himself. How many, how many of you men here really like that movie? Had you seen it? And, and uh, how many ladies like it too? And I like to say this, I think many of us like it, it's because so many of us want to be Maximus. That God has placed with us, in us a desire to be Maximus, to be a gladiator that fights for our families, that cares about them over our own needs, that loves, even if we're afraid, even if there might be fear, we don't show it. That we've lost an integrity, and we have an integrity, and we're honest, that we can be trusted. I think deep in our hearts, we want to be Maximus. But i got to admit that in my life, if I'm honest, I have to say many times I'm not Maximus at all. I'm selfish. I'm petty. I'm pouty. And I put my own needs over my family time and time again. Many times, even though I desire to be Maximus, I don't do what I should as Maximus. I believe God has placed that desire in your heart to be a gladiator for the things that are important, to live a life of passion. It's not the wealthiest, the most talented or the most educated that have done that. As we wind down this service today, we're going to celebrate communion, and I'm going to do it a little bit differently. I'm going to go ahead and just tell you that, you know, this is the body and the blood of Christ poured out for us and for many for the forgiveness of sins. And as we look at this, Jesus broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, this is my body, this is my blood. We want the Holy Spirit to meet us here in this mysterious thing, but it's about coming into the presence of God that we recognize this week what Jesus gave up for us. And as we do that, I want you to know how much he loves you. And in order to do so, there was a movie many years ago called The Passion of the Christ. I just want to show you a brief clip because I think it's one of the best examples of Christ and what he did for us.
Papa. They're dead. This movie was called The Passion of the Christ. The suffering of Christ, because he is passionate about you. He loves you unconditionally. How is your life plan going? Is it a fullness of life in the Lord who gave his life up for you, who rose again as we're going to celebrate both those this week? Or is your life compartmentalized with Christ somewhere in there? As we move to communion, I'm going to ask the servers to come up, and I'm going to ask if... uh, if we could get um, three more people, if, Stephen, if you could get three more people, because I want everybody here to receive a piece of the puzzle. Because you're part of God's wonderful plan called the church. You have, a, you have a giftedness for God. And if part of that is missing, the church suffers. He loves you so much. He's so passionate about you. He said, I am the living water. If you drink of my cup, you will never thirst again. He said, I am a spring that will overflow within you. What you you need to know right now is he loves you. He loves you. And that because if you had one month to live, you would live your life differently. And Jesus doesn't want to wait till you have one month. Because some of us don't even get that. Some of us may only get no time at all. To live the fullness of life. Remember, the gift of life is what God gave to you. That's his gift. What you do with it is your gift back to him. So I'm going to ask you to stand right now. We're going to celebrate communion. And um, I believe somebody will let the Sunday school know. And I'm going to ask that you come from the back on that far side there. If you'll just come up and, and go this way. And, um, and this side, you can, come up, uh, you can come up and go this way and work around in this way here. After I get them taken care of. And I want you to make sure you get a piece of the puzzle as well. All right?
unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. My anchor holds within the veil. Christ alone, cornerstone, the weak made strong in the Savior's love. Through the storm, He is the Lord of Sing it out. Oh, may I then be him and found, dressed in his right, justness alone, faultless stand before the throne. I'm just going to close with a prayer today. Lord God, we, we stop today and we, we thank you for your entry into Jerusalem. As everybody else was saying, save us, save us, save us, they really didn't know what they were asking for. Little would they know that within a week, they would get the full answer. And so God, for those of us who are struggling right now, who are dealing with those things, for those of us who uh, have lost passion, for those of us who stop loving, for those of us who need to forgive, and even for those of us who need to extend forgiveness. God, we're equally as guilty there, but we need to extend and say, hey, I, I wronged you. I'm sorry. I hope you forgive me. 
that God, we will begin to just uh, wrap ourselves around integrity and enthusiasm, and that we will be resurrection people, and we'll be fans for you, that everybody will know who we're cheering for in this world and whose life plan we have. As we go forth, God, let us just uh, be excited and let's have a great celebration of Good Friday and ultimately Easter Sunday. We ask this in your name. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. I know you guys didn't get...